Well, welcome to the third episode of Riskology, a podcast dedicated to the risk management and insurance industry. We have a special guest today, Brandon Robbins, who is the risk manager at the Ross Group. Uh, Brandon, uh, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself as a way of introduction. Yeah. Um, so I'm a native Oklahoman. I uh, grew up in Chelsea, Oklahoma, thriving metropolis. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've been here at the Ross Group since 2005. Uh, coming in as the health, safety, and environmental manager, and then just kind of working my way up to now I'm the vice president of risk management and human resources. So I have health, safety, environmental, quality control, um, our insurance portfolio, and then HR. Okay. So how did you get started in the safety world or risk management world? You know, I've always wanted uh, every job I've, I've ever had is or ever had in mind that I wanted to do uh, involved helping people, you know, whether it was a firefighter or a policeman or whatever, even when I was a little kid. And um, I really wanted to be a firefighter for a long time. Um, and then just kind of being around construction and oil and gas, um, I just learned of the opportunities there that I could really help people. Um, I, I'm a huge people person. My relationship skills, I feel like, are. Um, are, are really my strength, and that was something I felt I could really benefit any company. Um, and that's kind of when I, I really learned about the safety program at Northeastern State in Tahlequah. Okay. And, and that's where how I ended up there and, and going through that. Cool. Uh, if, you, if you don't mind telling us also a little bit about the Ross Group. Yeah. Uh, so we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What do you guys do? What Do you, you specialize in anything? Yeah, so the Ross Group, um, we started out as a general contractor specializing really in government construction. Um, and several, probably five years ago, we really started to diversify um, what we do. Uh, so we don't only do military work now. Um, we have an engineering group, our construction group, an industrial or oil and gas construction group, and then a development group um, that focuses on um, the historical historical. Um, lots, historical projects, um, bringing them on the construction side and allowing us to uh, benefit communities in that way. Okay. Um, I've noticed that you all really have a commitment to the Tulsa community. Is that something that's intentional? And do you guys strive to develop this area um, as a more of a focus for your company? Or is it really across the country that you all do projects? So community involvement and benefiting communities um, has always been paramount at the Ross Group, whether it was uh, doing the military facilities to benefit uh, the people to protect our country, um, to doing different uh, Native American projects, taking water from one source back to the land, the reservation, and then now actually being able to play in our own backyard and really see downtown transform and be a part of that process um, from the, you know, 10 years ago, you know, the BO, that's when the BOK Center was rebuilt this part of downtown. It was still kind of revitalized, a lot of empty lots, a lot of empty buildings. And um, we've really helped bring the progression back to downtown through not only our corporate headquarters, which is the former, former um, International Harvester headquarters, uh, but the old Tulsa Petroleum Club, which is going to be a hotel, event space, and restaurant now. Um, we have a spot over by Tulsa Driller Stadium that um, vast, vast national bank that's right. going to be their corporate headquarters that will also have um, Casillas Petroleum. Um, and the raw is going to go in there and uh, a couple other companies and right also right by there we did a, a new holiday and express so we've just seen a lot within three blocks of our corporate office really trans help transform downtown and make it more welcoming to to people brendan if, if you don't mind just tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day -day operations look like as it relates to the ross group 
So day to day, it's meetings, man. Really? <laughs> In and out in a lot of meetings, um, which I feel very involved with kind of where we're going as a company. Um, strategic meetings with our executive team. Um, uh, we have daily meetings with my HR and my risks teams. It's something we've recently just started to try and improve communication. Um, you know, spending some time with our in-house counsel, seeing where we're going as far as contracts and, and which ones have gone out the door. Um, and really finding out the needs of our construction um, and then our uh, design build groups, uh, what they're needing in the field as far as uh, personnel um, and trying to navigate those waters. Um, and then, you know, on the risk side for our engineering group, I spend a lot of time in ISNet world, um, PEC, trying to get um, make sure that we're, we're all clear and good to go on that end. Um, and then there's just a lot of opportunities on our development side. It's always interesting to try and catch up with that group of our company um, as, you know, what property we're acquiring today that's going to better Tulsa or better Oklahoma City or uh, right. or whatever community we're looking at going in. Um, again, because kind of like I talked about before, there's just so much of what we do is, is based on bettering communities and bettering the people um, in those communities, um, whether it's bringing in tourism or um, providing more jobs. Okay. So it seems like there's really five major groups within the Ross group, different sections and, and how they all work together. Uh, could you dive a little bit deeper into, you know, maybe each of those and like, for example, design build, what is that exactly? And how does that work? Yeah. So our, our design build group, they are industrial construction. They're heavy construction. They do a lot of the oil and gas work, um, some pipeline, um, a lot of stuff in engineering and manufacturing. Um, that is really their focus. Okay. Um, our construction group, that's where the military construction, um, our hotels, um, a lot of our renovations for other, for other companies and clients, um, hospitality, healthcare, that all, all the facility work is, is construction. Um, then we have our engineering group. Again, it's a pretty heavy oil and gas. Um, they are branching out into other areas and attempting to get other markets, um, like reduced water, biogas, things like that. Um, and then we have our development side, which really goes out and they've become one of the biggest clients for the construction side as they go out, acquire the land and make the wheeling and dealing and, and getting the properties for, um, for the clients and then bring the Ross group in to build the projects themselves. But it's everything from office, mixed use, um, hospitality, industrial construction. Again, all things that kind of tie back to, to bettering the community and bettering the area around them. Okay. From a competition standpoint, do you guys have much competition? I mean, it seems like the Ross group is a pretty unique company from multiple factors. I mean, what does that landscape look like? Yeah, there, there's always competition in the different arenas. As far as for what we can bring to the table as a sole company with the different branches, I'm not sure. I feel like we don't have any competition. Right. Uh, but obviously we do when you when you break us out into our parts. Um, that's where the competition and it becomes uh, we have to navigate those waters a little better. Right. It just seems like an efficient way to have all these groups in one organization to be able to talk efficiently saying, hey, I'm working on this project. Can you help me over here? Yeah. And that's really the thing. And I think that's kind of the trick that we're really trying to do right now as far as our business development is approach potential clients and, and other people about, hey, we have this on the development side. If you need um, some creative financing to be able to secure this and we have an engineering group they can help you get get ready to get the project off the ground and then we have two construction groups that one of them should be able to help you build the facility or the office or the pipeline or tank battery or whatever so right. we we have a lot of different ways that we could really take the project from cradle to grave um, and i think a lot of other companies don't have that in-house capability because like you said there's so much benefit from just being able to talk across the office to somebody absolutely yeah 
so from an HR perspective that, you know, you're coming from that area, not only that area, but risk as well. How do you re- go in and recruit from the, for these different areas? Is that difficult? Cause uh, I mean, you have to have almost an HR recruiting hat from different perspectives. Is that your role or? How does yeah. That work? Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that's really developing the strategy. That's more my role um, is really helping the strategy along with the execs from the different groups as to where we want to go to find people, what, what colleges, um, what people have we met that we want to put on our bench that we can call at a later time? So we have several resumes and several names and contact information for people we want to come to work for us when the right opportunity comes up. But you're absolutely right. There's a there's a lot of difference between um, recruiting an engineer and recruiting um, a superintendent for right. one of our construction projects. So it's really just trying to make sure that we get off the main point that um, – Thrust Group's a great place to work, and we want you to be a part of our family. Here's how we're going to help you succeed. And, and we've done a lot of things recently to really help employee development and get the employee to where they ultimately want to be, um, whether that's in the field, in the office. Um, we've really broke down um, an employee development plan for each person by position in the company. Um, wow. So we make sure, and we've had the meetings with each person to, with, and their manager to determine, hey, um, do you want to stay in the field for the rest of your career? Or at some point, do you want to come into the office? And honestly, a lot of these conversations, we were kind of surprised that I had no idea I had a couple superintendents that wanted to become project manager, potentially become project manager someday and get out of the field. Um, so now we have that documented and we can kind of set them on a path uh, to help get them there. Um, so I think that's one of the bigger things we're really trying to figure out the right fit for each group is figuring out where people want to go and how we can help get them there. Right. Which avenue that. Yeah. Which most efficient. Route. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Do you have any, does the Ross group have any upcoming projects that we can talk about that you're excited about as well? Um, so we're fixing to, we have, um, we, we just got contracts. We're gonna start four new jobs in New Mexico. Wow. Um, two at Cannon Air Force Base um, in Clovis, New Mexico, um, and then two in, in Albuquerque, um, all federal, all government projects, uh, one for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, um, one for um, the GSA, and then we'll have two um, Corps of Engineers projects, one being a, f- a fitness center um, and the other being another facility for flight simulator. So okay. pretty excited about those. It's kind of a new area for us to go into, so that's always uh, fun to, to learn to learn new areas and now the type of project is a new area or new mexico new mexico is a new area we've okay. done a project in new mexico before uh but it was more south um, not around the albuquerque area so um, pretty excited about we always like we can go into new markets and new areas and and, and in that we find new people uh, people that have worked on those bases and in those areas for an extended amount of time and have relationships um, know the subcontractors um, so that really helps out in the long run yeah. And before we move on to the next topic, can we touch on about your, your guys' specialty within the government contracting space? I, it seems like, you know, starting out or the, when the Ross group started out, that was really a specialty. Um, is that a, a unique in the industry as far as a specialty goes? Or? Um, it's challenging to do government work. Um, if you haven't done it before, because the, especially through the Corps of Engineers, they look a lot at past performance. So they want you to submit on similar type jobs within that entity um, or, or just similar size and scope. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a niche in a way is that when, you know, the, the big construction crisis hit several years ago, you didn't see a whole lot of people jumping into the, the government construction world successfully just because there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of paperwork. Um, there are a lot of things you have to know and, and um, know how to navigate, um, navigate those waters. 
uh, to be successful. Um, so I think that's one reason why we've kind of we, that will always be part of our our strate- strategic focus on business development is going after the government work because we've traditionally been very good at it. Yeah. Uh, how does how does risk management affect the company culture? Would you say? So that's the, kind of the cool thing about the Ross Group. Everybody everybody understands how safety, how risk um, plays a part in our in our everyday lives here. Um, I wouldn't say we're risk adverse. Um, we, we really look at situations and, and fully understand what the risk is before jumping with both feet into it, into a situation or into a project. So we analyze it financially. Is it something that's going to benefit the community? Is it something that we're going to be able to do and do well? Um, those are all things we really look at when we're really trying to figure out what projects and, and things to do. Okay. How does a safety culture affect an organization? You know, uh, when people are happy and when people are, their employment morale is high, you know, your quality of control is going to be great. People are going to be more productive and people are just going to be safer. When, when people see their coworkers or friends get hurt or miss time due to an injury, um, it affects the overall workplace. And I Absolutely. think that's something that we fully understand here is that um, by creating a safe work environment for ourselves, our subcontractors or trade partners and, and our clients, um, it's benefiting everybody in the long run. Are there any tips that you can give someone or organization um, that is in charge of safety within their company that could increase the safety culture within that organization? Yeah, so I think at first you have to have management buy-in. If, if from the top down, that's how it's got to be pushed. And if, if executive management is bought into a safety program and is committed to it and leads by example, that's really when you're going to see a lot of change. Um, so that's, you have to get that going first. And then it's the employee buy-in. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot of good develop programs, develop training um, on your own, on an island. So getting employee input and what they want, how it's going to benefit their jobs, and getting that employee buy-in up front right. um, goes a long way in getting that frontline leadership to lead by example on your job sites and in your workplace. Absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, coming in, starting at the Ross Group, it seemed like you were really on the risk management side starting out. And recently, you started handling the HR from the HR perspective. And with some of the clients that I've worked with in the past in organizations, oftentimes those two things are siloed within the organization. And there's not much communication from the risk to the HR side. So you being in a unique position handling both is there an overlap or an intersect between those two sides? And should people be communicating more from that perspective? I think it always depends on how your company's set up, but I, I definitely think there's a benefit between having your risk management side and the HR side talk. Um, there are just so many benefits to that, whether it's the cross-training of personnel. Um, a lot of times the HR side is probably going to be a little more um, hands-on with the work comp. Um side of things and the risk management may not have the education or the experience to do that so if you pair those two together and there's that communication um, and working together to handle those claims it benefits everybody in the long run Um, and then you know on the HR side I think it it helps um, by being involved with the risk assessment side almost it helps you um, have a, a better idea of the big picture of things of the entire company um, and you're not just focused on benefits. You're not just focused on recruiting because there is a risk side to recruiting, the human, human capital side of things. Absolutely. Um, and there's so many tools out there now that you can use um, to help mitigate that risk, whether it's the uh, 
predictive index, which is a, the behavior survey, um, Myers-Briggs, and there's a lot of uh, things out there that you can utilize as a tool to help navigate the hiring process to make sure you're getting the right fit for your company, your culture, and even the position. Um, so I think, I think nowadays a lot, a lot more HR personnel are a little more in tune with the risk associated with bad hires. Okay. No, that's great. And you mentioned um, different tools from an HR perspective, you know, the personality tests and that sort of thing. How do you stay up to, up to date on new emerging risks? And are there any tools that you're using to help do so? Um, here we really, Ross Group, we really push uh, continuing education, whether it's webinars, uh, seminars, going back and getting a different degree or graduate certificate. Um, it's just really being involved in different organizations and having the resources available to you to, to know these things. You know, I'm involved in um, the American Society of Safety Professionals. Um, I, I go to a lot of the training that our insurance broker Lofton puts on. They put on a lot of good boot camps and workers comp um, case manager type activities. Um, and then um, there are several just really good uh, work comp day seminars that happen in Oklahoma City um, and in Tulsa that are, are real good to learn about, you know, all the medical marijuana stuff that's coming up, um, changes in work comp laws, the different procedure procedural advances that, you know, doctors are doing now, whether it's rotator cuff or knee or what have you. Um, so just going to those, those types of activities not only helps you build your network if you put yourself out there, but it, you're just learning through osmosis. I mean, you're, you're getting some really good information. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing I was going to say is, you know, you're not only learning the information when you're going to these conferences and events and the continuing education, but you're also building your network. So being, you know, if you run into an issue, you can say, oh, I know this guy or, or lady that handles this type of situation. And I think that's something that people really miss out on. They go to a conference and then um, they don't get themselves out of their comfort zone to go meet people that could potentially be a resource to them. Um, you know, they get they go to the the dinner and then right then go back up to the room to go to work and you know the coursework or the um, breakout sessions you go to while you're at the conferences are important but for me meeting people meeting the people has always big, been the biggest bang for my buck at going to conferences I feel like you knowing a really good HR professional a great work comp person um, a good lawyer a good doctor um, a good case manager all these different areas um I mean, you can't be an expert in everything, so right. having those experts in your pocket that you can call is, is huge. Absolutely. Just assessing where you're at and building a team of experts around you to help handle those And it's situations. just good to be able to have somebody to bounce an idea off. Hey, this is my gut. You've been doing this a little bit longer than me. What do you think? And, right. you know, lay out the scenario as much as you can to an external person. So, Speaking of the external team around you of experts, as you navigate the risk world, how important is the insurance broker relationship to you and the Ross Group? Oh, it's huge. Um, broker and carrier, um, they're just they're just such great resources, and, and I think it's very important to have that person you can call when when something's not going the way you feel it should, or to, or to be able to call and get, hey, I'm having trouble with this claims agent. I need some resolution. Can you give me an answer by the end of the day? And having that go-to person on on both sides to kind of push your issues to get the answer you ultimately need to, to help your help your personnel right absolutely but oh. yeah and, and I think it's it's really important to have it on both sides because you know people with people change jobs so if you put all your eggs in one basket on the broker side and then your main contact with the broker leaves you're kind of hung out to dry with your carrier so it's really important to to navigate those relationships and make them both really strong that's a good point yeah and, and most and a lot of carriers aren't used to people 
trying to be proactive. You know, my stance is I want you to come in and tell me how I can improve. It's my, our programs are not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not the smartest guy out there. I, I know there are people that do things better. What have you seen and what can you tell me? Because I want to make the Ross group the best it can be. And I think, you know, having a conversation with my carrier the other day, they're just not used to that sometimes. It's, they don't want to see you unless there's an issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the approach for a lot of companies are is that, hey, I don't – when I need you, I'll call you, but but don't bother me. And I just – I don't see the benefit there. Right. I agree. And I think, you know, a lot of times when a carrier is wanting to partner with an organization, they're really wanting to have that input and being able to build that relationship with the client as well. So. Yeah. How, how can the industry better promote itself to the younger generation? I think for one thing, we got to make sure it's not coming off as boring. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a big thing I hear all the time is, you know, a lot of people want to go oil and gas cause they feel it's exciting. You know, right. that's the industry. They don't think about construction or, or insurance or, um, manufacturing. They want to go, you know, not only where the money is, but cause, but that's, that's a huge attraction to them cause it's talked about a lot. You see in the news a lot, you, you know, you know, Oklahoma itself is based a lot on oil. Um, and energy. Um, so I really just think it's important for us as professionals um, to put ourselves out there to the younger generation, whether it's through uh, young professional organizations, whether through university programs, even now going to high schools um, and really doing these these new alumni fairs. I've seen a lot of high schools lately do to promote our industry and how important risk management is. And you know, it's not boring. You know. Um, um, you know, a lot of these rules are there for a reason. Somebody, somebody was killed. So a lot of our the regulations on the safety side are, are written in blood, essentially. And it's really important to know for people to know the importance of that because I think they um, they just see, oh, that's just a, a really boring safety deal. Oh, you're going to tell me not to touch the hot stove. Right. Well, it's a lot bigger that we we are a, a big part of this machine that makes makes the money. I mean, if you have people getting hurt all the time and and claims go up, premiums go up. Um, you're not doing good quality work. I mean, everything, all, again, it all that goes back to morale. Um, so it's just a big circle, and we're a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So with regard to risk management, what would you say the greatest lesson you have learned over the years when managing risk? Go with your gut. I think that, to me, has been my biggest lesson. I think I second-guessed myself a lot early in my career because I um, – didn't have the confidence, which is strange for me to say, because I'm a pretty confident person. But when it came down to when push came to shove, you know, I, I might have second guessed the way I felt like we should do. And it might not have been the best way. It might have worked out, but maybe it would have been better for everyone if I would have just gone with my gut. So I think you have to trust yourselves at times and not get because it's easy to get overwhelmed in this industry. A lot of things are um, are really sensitive nature for one, especially when you're dealing with injuries. But um they can be overwhelming priority wise. I mean, something comes, somebody gets hurt. You got to deal with it now when an accident happens, you got to deal with it now. Um, how do you handle those types of situations? And again, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and, and kind of, uh, push yourself to a decision that you weren't, wouldn't have made under normal circumstances. So that's probably the biggest one that I've learned. Um, is just being confident and you know you may come in especially coming in young you know i started in the industry at 23 right um with a lot of seasoned guys and gals around me and um, i probably let that intimidate me a little bit um and let it and let decisions be influenced so that's a great point you know when starting out you said early on that you had a lot of seasoned people around you how important was that starting out in your career and 
would you recommend to others to try to find and attach to a mentor as they get up and coming in the industry? Absolutely. And I think the thing to remember with a mentor is it doesn't have to be somebody in your profession. Um, Probably the person I've learned the most from is our current CEO, Dave Thomas, and he's not a safety professional. He's not a risk professional. He taught me how to be a good manager. And so much of what we do as risk managers, it's people. You know, that's what uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Young, always says, you know, safety is a people business. And it is. Um, You have to deal with people and uh, being able to navigate relationships and being able to to read people in certain situations and deal with personalities. I mean, that's all part of uh, we have to stay calm a lot of times, depending on the issues. Um, But going back to the mentor thing, um, it's extremely important to find somebody to latch onto that is willing to impart wisdom to you, talk about their mistakes. Cause you know, so often we want to just talk about our success stories, right? which are great. You learn a lot from them, but you learn a lot more from mistakes. You learn a lot more from getting knocked down and getting back up. Um, so finding that person that really fits your personality and is going to help drive you in the way that you want to go, um, is invaluable. And I push mentoring all the time. Um, inside the company and outside when I'm talking to organizations. Um, and, and I think I think people for, tend to forget about mentors is you're not always going to agree. You're not always going to like what right. that person has to say, and that's part of it. Yeah. It's a two-way street. They're learning from you just like you're learning from them, but you have to check your emotions at the door and realize you're, you're there for the betterment of both of you in most cases and remember that absolutely and and as you progress through your career you're going to have this mentor in this area and another mentor over here and you're going to take the best and apply it to your style and, and absolutely. how you do it things. always amazes me when you think when you ask like you know so how many of you have had a mentor and you know not everybody in the room raises their hand i was like man it could be your dad it could be your grandpa it could have been your baseball coach in some way you've had a mentor in some area now you just need to find that in a professional way that is going to give you what you need um, like for me, I don't need praise. I'm not a guy that likes praise. It kind of makes my skin crawl, honestly. Um, I need the person that's really going to push me and be that coach. You know, the coach that when he stops yelling at you, that's when you have to worry. That that was always the approach that worked really well for me. Uh, and not every mentor I've had, my those relationships were successful because they, they weren't all like that. Some of them were hands-on and wanted to teach me by walking through the steps and, hey, you're doing a great job. And, and that just really didn't push me the way that, that – you know, kind of leaving me to my own and then getting on me when I'm, I'm not meeting your expectations. Right. So, okay. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Brandon. Um, I think this was insightful and it's going to help out, especially a lot of people up and coming into the industry. I appreciate so. the opportunity, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Brandon.